The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a new episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, alongside the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It is Jim Margulis as we bring you a new podcast episode on this President's Day, Monday, February 20th, 2023 as spring training is underway across Major League Baseball. We've seen plenty of highlight videos. We're getting quotes from White Sox coaches and players, which means we're going to briefly talk about Mike Clevenger, as a lot has happened since our last podcast that Jim and I were together. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the previous podcast, Jim did an excellent job with the Athletics' Keith Law talking about the White Sox farm system. We'll talk about one player in particular from the White Sox farm system that made a brave statement over the weekend. And uh, the Major League Baseball owners are already fighting. They have a new committee, and I'll share why I think we're going to have another work stoppage for Major League Baseball in the near future. But first, very good news, very welcoming news, as Jeff Passett of ESPN first reported, followed up by Bob Nightingale of USA Today. The Chicago White Sox and Elvis Andrews agreed to a one-year contract. For the third year in a row, the White Sox are rolling the dice on one of these one-year, last-minute contracts before spring training really gets underway for about 3 to $5 million. It worked out wonders with Carlos Rodon. It worked out terrifically with Johnny Cueto. And the White Sox, Jim, are rolling back, this time bringing back Elvis Andrews. And the expectation is that he will be the White Sox second baseman. My instant analysis, bless up. This is welcoming news. <laughs> I feel a lot better about the White Sox at second base now. Yeah, I could say thank God and feel like eh, that sums it up. Everybody knows where we're coming from. Uh, but no, because we have ads to sell, <laughs> I will elaborate. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, we talked about it. I'd mentioned it that, you know, it seemed like as long as he was out there, there was always a chance the White Sox could reunite, especially like once Carlos Correa went back to the Twins. I thought the Twins were the most sensible landing spot for him based on budget. And, you know, once we thought Correa was going to the Giants, then he was going to the Mets. I thought, okay, you know, the the Twins, they have Kyle Farmer, but Elvis Andrews makes a lot more sense just for what they need in the middle infield. And I was just waiting for that to happen, wait for that to happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, Correa ends up with the Twins, which is, you know, bad for the White Sox. But also, um, it, it left Andrews without a sensible home for a team with ambition um, that could give him time at shortstop. And while the White Sox can't promise him time at shortstop, you know, assuming they're not they have no intention of moving Tim Anderson off short, like given how many games Anderson misses, there's always a chance he could play the same role that he played over the last one and a half months of 2022. And, you know, given the lack of options elsewhere, that's a pretty good spot to end up. Like his, his playing time won't be threatened. He'll get plenty of runway to get on track. He doesn't have the thing like Oakland, you know, with the playing time 
you know, vesting option hanging over everybody's head and them, you know, rolling with Nick Allen versus, you know, a, a professional in Andrews, like White Sox want to win. Andrews can help them win. It helps so many people downstream, like Romy Gonzalez no longer has insane expectations. Lamine Sosa no longer has expectations he may not be ready for. And then if Tim Anderson, you know, gets hurt again, uh, yeah, that, that was the, that was like the time bomb for me is like, if Anderson has missed 40 games again, you know, all of a sudden the emergency that's happening at second base bleeds over in a shortstop. Now the entire middle infield's in trouble. So again, thank God. Yeah. I, I feel a lot better about the White Sox now. I, I know this is a really small signing in the grand scheme of things and it's Elvis Andrews. Some people may be rolling their eyes. I mean, come on, Josh, he's at his mid thirties. Last year was possibly a fluke. Do you really buy that could happen again? I buy 35-year-old Elvis Andrews being an actual major league player over Romy Gonzalez mm -hmm. and Lenin Sosa and Lurie Garcia and possibly Jose Rodriguez this year. I mean, as you mentioned, Jim, there's just such heavy expectations for Romy Gonzalez, who whiffed 45% of the time against fastballs last year, having to mm -hmm. not only improve upon that but not be terrible at the position and every projection model just thought the White Sox position wise at second base was the worst position group for any team across all positions in major league baseball dead last out of every position on the field of the 30 teams in baseball. Everyone agreed the White Sox situation at second base is the worst. Now we're waking up on president's day here in late February and that's not going to be the case. And Steamer's projections, they're not great. They're projecting a 671 OPS for Andrews with nine home runs, 43 RBIs, a 90 weighted runs created plus, as I got this from Fangraphs, but a 1.6 wins above replacement. And that was under the shortstop for Steamer projections. And honestly, for $3 million, if you can get a 1.6 war player, fantastic. But as a reminder, last year with the White Sox at 43 games, Andrews hit nine home runs and he drove in 28 RBIs. He had a 773 OPS and he was worth 1.8 war. I'm not saying Andrews is going to carry that over to 2023 Jim for a full season because that's like 27 home runs and a five and a half war player at second base for the White Sox. I'm not going to stop mm -hmm. him. I mean, if he wants to put up those yeah. numbers, please, by all means, the White Sox could use those numbers, but I'm maybe strangely confident here, at least in my gut, that Andrews is going to be a two-war second baseman for the Chicago White Sox, and that's going to go a long way to help solidify this infield. If you want to talk about rule changes, yeah, give me two shortstops up the middle with the band being shifted. I feel a lot better about the White Sox infield defense now. Also, Andrews 11 for 11 in stolen bases with the White Sox alone. 18 stolen bases and 22 attempts last year. Like he's running fine, moving fine, defending fine. You know, an average shortstop. Uh, there's reason to believe that like he'd be average or better at second, given the, you know, you typically lower demands of the position. We'll see how it, you know, shapes when it comes to just what it looks like post shift. But yeah, there's a lot to like. There's a lot of room that he can give up and still be what the White Sox need. And, you know, he said that he's felt, uh, as good as he's felt since he uh, had an injury, I think it was a broken elbow with uh, the Rangers in 2018, like sent him back for years. Like he, he had a 20 homer season in 2017, just never followed that up. And all of a sudden he's hitting 17 uh, with a dead ball. You know, like this is a case, this isn't like a, one of those 2019 fluke seasons where like, you know, the everybody on the twins hits 30 homers and you just have to write it off. No, this is, you know, 17 homers with playing half of his game or like 106 games in Oakland. So, I mean, like that's an, a, home run haven and then he comes to the uh you know guaranteed right field i mean that's obviously a, a friendly park but i mean you still have to hit hard as we saw with the white Sox, you know being led by andrew vaughn with 17 homers so given the way the ball is flying out you had to get a hold of it to a certain degree and you know that I, I looked at andrews's power last year and that's kind of where i'm getting my andrew benintendi confidence from to where like doesn't need to be a different player necessarily to get different results, you know, going to guaranteed right field. And I'm hoping it's the same for Andrews, but you know, he says he felt better. That might've been a little bit of free agent, you know, building his free agency case, like saying like, no, I can keep doing this. You know, there's reason to believe this is legit, but 
you know, it's it's not even a gamble for the White Sox, $3 million, given what they're going to roll out there. Like, this mm-hmm. is, um, even if he falls apart again, um, there's really no reason for the White Sox to pass this up. I mean, like, there's just, even if he somehow flopped to where, like, Gonzalez ends up being the better option or Sosa ends up being the better option, like, at least you're buying those guys some time. You're, you're, you're allowing Gonzalez, if he is some kind of, uh, transformation case that the White Sox were right to pump up over the offseason. Like, great, let them prove that in May or June. Or if, uh, you know, Anderson gets hurt again, or if they need somebody to fill in a corner outfield spot because somebody's down, like, sure, you plug them in wherever. But this makes that so much, you know, now you can let Gonzalez let, like, force his way in the picture. The White Sox can accommodate him mm-hmm. if he turns out to be a special, as the White Sox said. And we're just really kind of buying time to, you know, make sure that, you know, Andrews would sign for like $1 million less, which I can believe the White Sox trying to do given uh, their lack of spending elsewhere this season. And shoot, bat Andrews ninth. You could turn the lineup over some innings. You may have Andrews, Anderson, Benatendi. I think those are three really good table setters for you, especially later on in games or someone that has sneaky power. If that does continue from the 2022 season. I think it also helps lengthen the lineup for the Chicago White Sox, and there's just not a dead spot at the end of the lineup. Again, I'm not overly confident in Romy Gonzalez. I likely need Sosa more than Romy Gonzalez, but clearly both of them have some big gaps in their game, and the Chicago White Sox front office at Rick Hahn must agree with that as well because for $3 million, they got themselves a starting second baseman, another shortstop at the middle of the infield. I think this is going to go a long way to help improve the White Sox where – For a little bit, I just agreed with the projections that as I'm scrolling through and doing all these data dives, yeah, if these guys hit that poorly, if the White Sox only have three starting pitchers that could stay healthy, you're right, projection models, this team's going to finish below 500. But for a really weird reason, for $3 million, bringing back a mid-30s middle infielder in Elvis Andrews, maybe it's just the way that he played and he played so well for the White Sox. Let's face it, he was a huge reason why they were still even in the playoff chase late in mm-hmm. 2022. That it's giving me this weird sense of confidence that suddenly I feel a lot better about this team, Jim. Yeah, the one reason I would try to soften my enthusiasm a little bit is it does remind me a little bit of like going from. Daniel Polka to John Jay, like, oh, at least you have a competent professional. Then uh, the bottom comes out because the White Sox, you know, just, you know, don't invest in position. And there's a reason why other teams weren't lining up to sign them and just kind of all falls apart. But given the way he played last year, uh, given what the White Sox saw from him personally up close against the competition they will face, like, yeah, it's just a no brainer. And that's why, like, you can try to you know, hedge and say like, well, this might not work out, but still they pretty much had to do it, especially for that dollar amount. Another thing I'll bring up is that like he batted leadoff for most of his time last year at the White Sox and did fine. Like, you know, it's a 315 on base percentage isn't exactly a table setter you want, but when you slug 511, when you steal, uh, you know, I'm looking at 10 bases and uh, in, in from the first spot, like, sure, that's fine. Like that that's functional, especially like in spot duty. If Anderson misses a little bit of time, like he's not going to be phased by the job and can make some production his own way. At least he showed last year. So yeah, he, he just so much use that uh, the White Sox did not have when it came to the roster, specifically second base, but also behind Anderson, both in the field and on the lineup card. So we're hyped about the signing. Jim and I both give it a thumbs up. Good job, Rick Khan. Two thumbs up from Sox Machine. Here's an instant two thumbs down. And maybe the stupidest thing that you've ever done as a general manager of the Chicago White Sox is sign Mike Clevenger. My God, I can't believe I'm going to three minutes. I'm going to try to limit this rant to three minutes. Podcast listeners. One, I can't believe they even let Mike Clevenger speak. It is 2023. We all have social media accounts. He has an agent. He could find his own damn time to speak to the media. He doesn't need to be wearing White Sox gear and follow up the general manager of the Chicago White Sox and like disagree with him or say counter things like Rick Khan made it very clear that there's no way the Chicago White Sox could possibly know about the investigation. Mike Clevenger, I thought it was common knowledge. Great job, Mike. 
Rick Hahn, yeah, we discovered some immaturity issues when he was with Cleveland. Mike Clevenger, if you mean immaturity issues when I was like 20, 20 21, when I was just joining Pro Bowl, sure. Uh, we're off to a fantastic start. So that was <laughs> stupid having Mike Clevenger speak to the media. Mike Clevenger threatening a lawsuit of 670 to score is even, it just adds to the stupid list. And another great point that Rick Hahn tried to make was it was a calculated risk to sign Mike Clevenger. And we have broken down this signing and Mike Clevenger's shortfalls and how the White Sox are going to have to handle Mike Clevenger if they want to get the absolute best version of Mike Clevenger because he's not the guy they think he was back in 2019. Well, guess what? His delivery is now illegal. So you got a 32-year-old pitcher who couldn't get a damn out of the National League Championship Series that you jumped the free agent market for because you thought it was a calculated risk. And now you have this dark cloud hanging over your head throughout spring training whenever we see Mike Clevenger. And by the way, there is no social media activity showing Mike Clevenger working or doing a damn thing at spring training. And I'm perfectly fine with that. And now he wants to fight a war with Chicago media. This is all stupid. All stupid. All stupid. I don't want to talk about Mike Clevenger anymore and I will not Jim until Major League Baseball finally decides of what the verdict is with the investigation because he's not worth the air that I am spitting out of my lungs producing words I am over this guy and the season hasn't even started so I'll give you the floor with Mike Clevenger but I am very much over and done with Mike Clevenger yeah, I, I guess to elaborate on what you said about his delivery being illegal for those who haven't been following the new rules, uh, the, the league will be cracking down on pitchers like double pump windups and ones who like rock back and forth side to side like uh, Luis Garcia in Houston is another one that mixes it up a lot. And, uh, you know, that's going to be just you know, part of the you know, dilly dallying and, and, and get the ball to the plate faster and, uh, you know, allow the running game to really, uh, you know, take off it seems so that's why his delivery is legal and supposedly he's working on that but yeah it was funny when that news came out i thought about writing you and saying like you know um both his his media conference and then you know afterwards 670 score i thought about saying like yeah should we have a podcast about this you know keith law is great and uh you know love talking to him but just like oh so uh are we overlooking this and i thought like no i just i don't want to talk about the guy like it's we'll talk about him eventually. He's going to be here. Like he's going to be at least, you know, for the time being, you know, maybe he'll be suspended or something like that, but he will be like around spring training for a bit. And this is going to keep being exhausting to follow. So yeah, just we'll get around to it. But uh, yeah, funny enough, I thought his media session was probably as good as I could expect. Like he looked, you know, he didn't look like he was taking it seriously. He was dressed like a slob and, you know, kind of half smiling the whole time. But, you know, I don't expect him to be somebody who is going to all of a sudden, like, you know, wear a suit and slick back his hair and say, like, you know, you know, I believe I'm, you know, I will be exonerated in the court of public opinion and start, you know, uh, you know, waxing rhetoric about the whole thing. But, you know, I just thought like, OK, he didn't say anything terrible he did refute Rick's maturity claim but I mean just in terms of like you know um sticking to minimal discussion and not like trying to like get in a war of words and like make himself look worse in terms of like what he thought of his uh ex and such like it was fine like it, it was you know it could have been way worse. I'll put it that way. Uh, and then two days later, you know, you know, because his ex got airtime to air her side of the story, that was unacceptable. Like, you know, he got to, he got to say he was innocent. She got to say he was guilty. He should have been like, you know, one for one. And, you know, if asked about it, you can say like, I said what I said, I believe the evidence will you know show me to be innocent and leave it at that. But no, he had to, you know, go back at it and just, you know, prove to be, uh, not getting it, you know, not getting just how serious these are and why people take it as seriously as they do and, and really want to be, want to have some kind of reassurance that, you know, he is, the White Sox didn't just sign a monster and, you know, White Sox fans don't know it yet. I mean, there's, there's reason to, you know, I guess not believe the entirety of her story. Like there are just so many accusations that some of them could be, uh, you know, some of them could be not true or like, you know, you know, not entirely true, you know, and just, it's staggering the amount that's been said. So, you know, perhaps there is some things like, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, mutually exclusive, like, so, yeah, one of these people have to be lying, like perhaps both of them are lying to some extent, but just like, 
White Sox fans and everybody just wants to know, like, yeah, the jury's out. You know, the jury is literally out when it comes to Major League Baseball waiting to act on just how bad of a guy he is. And while we're all waiting, he shouldn't do anything to indulge uh, everybody's worst fears that he is just a major problem that should never have been here in the first place. And unfortunately, yeah, just he can't seem to not be that guy. Uh, and uh, it's I, I feel bad for Pedro Grafal because, you know, he just he's been. Yeah, like we talked about it at 108 Day, like the White Sox have kept him wrapped in the original packaging. Like he did not get grilled at Sox Fest or like have any kind of, you know, uh, thorough, um, you know, interactions with the media and with fans to kind of understand like how he reacts to tough questions and uh, or, or uncomfortable questions and issues and such. And now he's, you know, being thrown in a situation where he has to plan around a guy who's thoroughly unlikable and act like he's okay with that, you know, whether or not he is. And just uh, that's not a great... Uh, way to start somebody's managerial career, especially somebody who's doing it for the first time at all and really hasn't, you know, had any kind of profile like this in Major League Baseball. That's really tough. Again, for Mike Clevenger's sake, don't suck. Because if you suck early, <laughs> no one in Chicago is going to want you around. So, yeah, don't suck. Let's go to some more uplifting news as uh, we are done talking about that guy for a while. Uh, Anderson Comas is a White Sox minor leaguer. He was signed at the age of 17 years old by the Chicago White Sox. He spent a lot of time down in the Arizona Development League for the White Sox. He missed significant time, especially during the 2022 season. So he may be someone that you didn't know about. But today, on Sunday night, that we are recording on February 19th, he posted an Instagram coming out and saying that he is gay. And what he wrote in Instagram was, quote, this may be my most personal thing I ever share, and it's that I'm proudly and happily part of the LGBTQ plus community. I'm also a human with a great soul. I'm respectful. I'm a lover. I love my family and friends, and that's what really matters. I enjoy my work a lot. Being a professional baseball player is the best thing that ever happened to me. So I just want to say something to those people that says that gay people cannot be someone in this life. Well, look at me. I'm gay. I'm a professional athlete, so that didn't stop me to make my dreams come true. I'm doing this because I want to be a inspiration for those like me out there fitting for their dreams. Please don't listen to those stupid things that people say about us. Fight for your dreams, believe in yourself, and go for it. And Chris Getz, the White Sox assistant general manager and director of player development, put a statement out quoting, Anderson first shared his news with us last year, and I was very pleased that he was comfortable sharing with us in player development. I also was happy at the reaction across the organization, which, as you would expect, was to support, help, and congratulate a teammate. With his social media post today, we are also proud of Anderson and that he is comfortable sharing such an important personal part of his life so openly. So, along with Anderson Comas, Jim, and even the good news that we're seeing from Liam Hendricks being at camp and him battling cancer and him telling Yasmani Grandal after a little bullpen session that he had that his goal is to get back, despite the dark cloud, there is positive news here. And for, again, someone that a lot of White Sox fans probably never heard of in Anderson Comas, there takes a level of courage as a professional athlete, especially in a male-dominated sport like baseball, to come out like this. And so far, what I have seen on social media makes me happy that many are embracing his choice to come out. Yeah, it's, you know, when you look at the comments, it is a mixed bag in terms of a lot of people are very supportive. And then you have the, you know, lunkhead undercurrent of, you know, who cares? Why is this important? You know, is somebody going to announce that he's straight, et cetera? And just like, oh, you know, basically it comes down to like every player gets announced that he's straight. Like Liam Hendricks talking about his wife, you know, Christy while battling cancer. Like that's him, you know, saying that he's straight. I mean, it just, that's the, you know, 
you know, I guess the the most, uh, you know, when you look at percentages, like, yeah, most likely a player is likely to be straight. So, you know, it, it's not a big thing. It's what everybody's used to. But like, you know, when news like this is broken and Comas is, is a low level, um, you know, prospect or you know, a player and like, this is how I found out that he was still in the organization because like he's somebody given his age and given that he was uh, shifting to pitching uh, that he just, you know, might've washed out of the organization just if we didn't, you know, no, like if he didn't surface on a roster last year, he just said, Oh, like he just couldn't stick, you know, in the low minors. And you know, that's kind of the story. So like it's a case where we don't know much about him, but you know, on, on you know, another hand, like this is a case where like, if you are barely hanging on to baseball, like, you know, at, at a low level, like theoretically, uh, that would be reason to not make such an announcement, to not come out, to not like, you know, uh, you know, identify, you know, you know, come out with your, uh, just truth and say like, this is a case where like, uh, I'm a distraction or, you know, I, I risk being a distraction to a team and they don't want to have me on the roster because other players might not like having me around. So he took a risk, you know, given where he is professionally, you know, that he might've just not been on a roster nobody would have known. So do you see the White Sox, you know, having handled this and they've handled a few things on the minor league level very poorly uh, when it comes to like, you know, HR type issues with Omar Vizquel and Wes Helms and such. It is nice to see like a positive human response and like the negative human responses where they kind of hide bad news and hope nobody finds out. Like this is a case where they, you know, seem to accept personal news that took courage to share, you know, very well. They let him share it and he shared it and they're backing them up. So, you know, that's great. Um, good to see. Hopefully this is a case where like the White Sox are turning it around a little bit when it comes to these kind of matters and not, you know, making terrible news, but yeah, just, you know, while Comas is a name, we know it's like the fact that we don't know it, uh, takes its own kind of courage because yeah, it just, uh, you know, I'm thinking back to Michael Sam, you know, I, I went to Missouri and so like I followed, you know, his college career closely. And I remember like when he came out and then he fell to the the seventh round and just thinking like, man, it's, you know, it's such a tenuous position in your career, like to, you know, to come out and then like have all this talk about you and you perhaps like, you know, damage your professional prospects. Like, yeah, anybody who's not like, you know, in, in some cases, you know, the, the precedent is that if you are not like a star. If you're not defining, you know, your path with your talent, you could just be um, marginalized uh, to the waiver wire, to you know, other forms of uh, professional baseball or not in the major leagues, just because it makes people uncomfortable. So the fact that he did, and the fact the White Sox handled it well, good. You know, th that's good to see, and hopefully, you know, more people. Uh, will feel like they can share this kind of news if they've been wanting to uh, and and feel like they can, you know, kind of build on this because it is something where just, you know, when you look at the, you look at the numbers and you realize like, yeah, there, there you know, have to be <laughs> a certain percentage of major leaguers who have been, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate a, a similar situation and professional ballplayers who have been trying to navigate the same situation with, with sharing just, um, you know, their identity and it's nice to see we're rooting for you anderson so hopefully we get to see him on the mound uh last he was with the canapolis cannonballers and we'll see if that's where he'll start during the 2023 season but again it takes a lot of courage to come out like that especially in major league baseball or even minor league baseball as a professional athlete so good for you anderson and again the uplifting news of liam hendricks there are some positive you know there's some positive things going on with white Sox camp there's one massive thunderstorm cloud and I'm going to ignore that as long as possible. Yes. Sox machine <laughs> is focusing on the positive things at white Sox spring training. I hear your laughter podcast listeners. Okay. Calm down. <laughs> we, we sandwich the news with, with good stuff. We do. So let me scare the hell out of you after a quick break for, for a word from our sponsors. <laughs> As Major League Baseball owners have created a new committee, and based on this new committee, I'll explain why there's going to be another work stoppage for Major League Baseball in the near future on the Sox Machine Podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast. All right, you're ready to be scared? You're wondering why is Josh thinking a work stoppage is coming? Well, thanks to excellent reporting again from The Athletic, Evan Drellich, who has been phenomenal in reporting the inner workings of how the commissioner's office is thinking in Major League Baseball. He wrote a story about combining the two concerns for Major League Baseball right now. We've talked about the regional sports network issue with Bali Sports Gym, and this is becoming a serious threat in which Major League Baseball says that it has a plan, but that plan may be shifting some games to local affiliates. You are not making the same type of money if that's happening, and Bali Sports is not paying the contracted amount for your games in 2023, so there is going to be a serious revenue shortfall for about 14 of the Major League Baseball teams in 2023, and that will have ramifications and free agent spending in 2024 may have ramifications of the types of players that get traded before the deadline if things get really dour for the economics. But speaking of economics, so many owners are really angry at Steve Cohen. They're also really angry at the San Diego Padres and the way they continue to spend money. They signed Hugh Darvish to a six-year contract extension. Uh, they also signed Michael Waka, and Cole Hamels is still getting gigs. I'm not sure how that's working out. If Cole Hamels' agent <laughs> want to, wants to represent us at Sox Machine, uh, that'd be fantastic. This time he's not getting paid, though, guaranteed. Like, I was hoping he could just keep getting, like, $1 million right? contracts and not pitch. <laughs> I was rooting for that one. Yeah, so now in this situation, kind of bearing the lead, thanks to Evans reporting at The Athletic, Major League Baseball is creating a new economic reform committee. And the owners that are part of this committee right now is Mark Walter of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Makes sense. They always spend money. Chris Illich of the Detroit Tigers, who is the son of Mike and has clearly not spent at the level that his dad did. John Henry, the Boston Red Sox, in which I would say about 70% of Boston Red Sox fans want to drive him out of town right now. And of course, you can't have an executive committee amongst owners without Dick Monfort of the Colorado Rockies. Mm -hmm. He's in part of every committee. So these four guys are going to start having conversations about economic reform for Major League Baseball and tying this whole regional sports network thing and trying to figure out for baseball how they can combat the streaming wars, the cable uh, cord cutting, so they don't lose out on this TV money in which so many teams really depend on the local TV contracts One when it comes to revenue. And Jim, here is my prediction on February 20th, 2023. On December 2nd, 2026, we will have either another lockout or a strike. There is going to be another work stoppage and it will start on December 2nd, 2026. We're one for one already. We called the work stoppage. Okay. We called that lockout years before it happened and I'm doing it again in 2023. There will be another work stoppage in December of 2026. 
I can see the reason why, because I mean, we talked about it when when it came to like you know Steve Cohen spending and such that there could be some fractures among ownership that uh, haven't been there in recent negotiation sessions. Like the owners were able to form wedge issues with steroid testing and the international draft to kind of weaken support or, or like weaken the the ranks of the union. And then like when it came to the pandemic shortening the schedule like limiting to 60 games and the players galvanized around that and were a much more formidable opponent this last time around and and did okay for themselves at the table after losing ground the last couple um sessions but yeah you know we saw with the you know way that the you know steve cohen and you you mentioned uh peter seidler with the uh padres rather just uh spending lots of money <laughs> and you mentioned Dick Monfort and uh, he had a, an interview. Um, I'm not sure with, with what outlet talking about, like asked about the Padres spending. He said, well, you know, I can see why fans would like it. Uh, we just don't want to do it. And, and like, yeah, fans like it because it's exciting and fun. It makes the winter as much fun as the summer. Um, you know, there's a reason why the Padres uh, you know, season tickets, exploded why they've you know they, they look like they can put a dent in the Dodgers you know who have had a lackluster offseason um you know maybe it's just a brief retrenching while they wait for Shohei Otani but just you know they 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 do smell a little bit of blood in the water so it's worth you know making this push and they're doing it and everybody's enjoying it except for the owners who don't want to spend you can say the same thing about Steve Cohen so yeah, it's uh, you know, there's a case where you could get back to like the 90s where it's like have and have nots and you know, they're arguing over the salary cap and like the twins were begging to be contracted and just you know trying to make that a threat like you could see a similar situation where teams who are crying poor have to really cry poor and say like no, we're not feasible at all. Like we're going to, you know, just put us out of our misery, please, Major League Baseball and 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 lose all these jobs, you know, for for Major League players. Like you could see it get back to that again if they aren't able to turn this RSN stuff around. And with Bally Sports, like it's worth noting that the White Sox are the only AL Central team that is not on Bally Sports. They're an NBC Sports Network. And while that's uncertain, the White Sox do own it, or at least Jerry Reinsdorf owns, what, 40% of it? 50%. Uh, 50%, yeah. Now with the, uh, I think after the Cubs, yeah. Because uh, I think with the Cubs there, it's, you know, d- it diluted a little bit more. But yeah, so I mean, like, you know, they're stable. It's not great. It's not the, it's not the uh, you know, cash cow it used to be, but it's fine. Certainly better what Bally Sports has. So yeah, if the rest of the division takes this hit, um, they really have more financial uh, muscle to theoretically flex if they wanted to. And if, you know, the, uh, another ownership group isn't inspired to say like, Oh, we can weather it. We can spend a little bit more because we're doing well enough, like the guardians or something like that. So that does bear watching in terms of just how the other AL central teams are hurt by this and whether that plays into this kind of, you know, chasm we can see forming between the, the have owners and the have not owners or the don't want to have owners. <laughs> and then we'll see, uh, which side uh, the White Sox pick. Usually Reinsdorf is on the uh, do not have side because he hates, you know, empowering the uh, MLBPA. But in this case, like, you know, if he's, you know, if the White Sox are well enough off uh, just with everything going on, especially, you know, relative to other teams that are losing their RSNs, like, you know, will he want to give them an inch? Especially, yeah. Uh, then again, like he might be on the side of like hating Steve Cohen more than he hates the other teams in the AL Central, which is a problem. So, yeah. Yeah, I could, if he's still the White Sox chairman, if he's still calling the shots for the White Sox coming to December of 2026, yes, I could see him being <laughs> I'm on I'm just the, assuming he is. The he, he would be on the anti-Steve Cohen team. Nine teams right now in Major League Baseball have a player payroll of below $82 million. The Miami Marlins, the Washington Nationals, the Kansas City Royals, the Cleveland Guardians, the Cincinnati Reds, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Baltimore Orioles, the Oakland Athletics. Twelve teams have a player payroll of below $110 million. And when you expand that, you add the Milwaukee Brewers, the Detroit Tigers, and the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mentioned this because it takes 23 owners to have a yes vote to ratify a CBA. 
if you can drum up interest right now in 2023 to build a caucus of like nine to 12 owners, you are going to prevent any new CBA or just being able to renew the current CBA that baseball has right now. And if you really want to influence change from an ownership perspective, then yeah, the owners that do spend a lot of money at the top, the top eight big spenders are going to have to listen to you or they're never going to get a CBA off the ground and they're going to be in a lockout situation for months and everybody's then losing money. So I see where Rob Manfred is trying to play peacemaker here and get ahead of this issue now before the CBA expires on December 1st, 2026. But we know how this works, Jay, with Major League Baseball. And they're already hinting at it at the end of this article at The Athletic. They're whispering now salary cap. And man, that is dead on arrival for the Major League Baseball Players Association. Mm-hmm. And we could see the owners playing the game of, well, we're trying to work here, but the players are striking because they won't accept a salary cap. Please be, you know, concerned for us, the teams that can't afford a hundred million dollars, but you know, ignore the fact that we got like a forty or fifty million dollar local TV contract <laughs> and the and the national TV buddy that Major League Baseball also gets. It's It is very ridiculous, and I think for those that are listening right now, you may be saying, well, these teams should sell. I absolutely agree with you. If they can't afford to be in the game, they should get out. They should sell. Absolutely agree with you. Get your one, $1.5, billion, spend the rest of your life living in luxury and sell to someone else that wants to own a professional sports team and do what is necessary to try to win championships. So that's something that even John Middleton brought up with the Philadelphia Phillies. He's like, how was the payroll for the 1920s Yankees and all of these great teams in major league baseball history. We don't talk about player payrolls. We talk about trophies. We talk about championships. We're trying to win trophies and championships in Philadelphia. That's why I'm spending money because we're trying to build the best team possible because I want to win a world series and all 30 fan bases want that gym. Mm-hmm. No matter what professional sport you root for and you're a diehard fan, that's exactly what you want to hear. You don't want to hear, we need to create an economic reform because the Rockies are concerned that the Padres and Mets are spending way too much money and it's making them look bad. Like, that is a path that Major League Baseball has gone in the past and it's created work stoppage and I'm just calling it now. Three years we're going to have another work stoppage. Yeah. I'm curious how many teams are going to sell. Um, just because like there was a, like Artie Moreno was supposed to sell the nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, and now there's kind of a pause just because, you know, and, and part of it might be the TV deals and like wondering like, you know, is there going to be a collapse of that value or is there like a greater security around the corner if they waited out for like some kind of new, you know, streaming package or whatnot that replaces it and says like, okay, this is, we're even sounder now. So yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, fascinating. Just like, and, and it's pretty much, I think the MLBPA can sit back and just, uh, you know, maybe not be the good guys necessarily, but also say like, no, this is completely self-inflicted among them. You know, just the ownership class. Like we, you know, we, we, had this fight among ourselves last time. We're fine. We'll agree to the mm-hmm. same CBA more or less. Uh, they, it, that's what they don't want. Uh, talk to them about it. And I think that's a case where, yeah, it's, we already saw the discourse shift towards like being more pointed towards the owners. And I think this will be even more, cause it's just, you know, issues that fans really don't care about. Right. Like fans, you know, fan, you know, especially like Tom Ricketts, like Cubs are spending okay money, but everybody thinks they can spend more and they're just investing a lot in real estate and trying to diversify their portfolio and whatnot. And like fans don't care about that. You know, fans, you know, just, uh, you know, they indulge it a little bit, but then they say like, okay, why does a team in the uh, Chicago markets with, you know, a national fan base have to rebuild and tear it down? Like, you know, they, they can make that point very uh, convincingly because there is no reason why Tom Ricketts team uh, that, that has the uh, mind share that the Cubs do has to rebuild. So yeah, it's just, it's a, yeah, I, I don't see this ending well if it does go into work stoppages in terms of like, 
you know, how it'll, you know, result for the owners. Like it just, it could be messy and it could be just rifts that don't, uh, that take a while to heal, but I can't see them gaining much ground in the players just because like the, the business model is fine for them and the business model is fine for baseball. Um, you know, and, and the only ones who are, you know, complaining about it are like the reds who sound like, you know, miserable, um, just humans that <laughs> don't care about I mean, they're alienating their own fans enough to where like, yeah, they're going to take their side now. No, it's, it's, uh, you know, they, they'd rather root for the players are not signing. And Oakland's going to probably move before this work stoppage happens. And on top of this, you may want to try to expand in the next CBA. You may want to mm-hmm. add two markets because it's been a really long time. And like, if you look at major league baseball history, and when they have added franchises, this is like one of the longest droughts in the history of Major League Baseball of adding franchises to the league. You have to get this sorted out or it's going to prevent other big items from happening. And I don't have any faith that Rob Manfred is enough of a peacemaker to broker a deal between the owners. I'm just going to see more infighting the RSN situation may get worse before it gets better. It's really going to impact teams in 2024, uh, especially building your teams for the 2024 season. So I think there's immediate impact and they're going to take that immediate impact. They're going to cry poor and they're going to use it in their arguments against one another and the owners meetings in upcoming years and scream at each other. And after the CBA expires, the players association and Tony Clark are going to be sitting at the desk wondering where's the phone call and there's no phone call at all because the owners don't have anything to propose because they can't agree on anything. So I'm sorry. I know I was very positive before the word from our sponsors, (laughs) but I I'm just preparing everyone now in like three and a half years, three and a half ish years. We're going to have another work stoppage. I'm just calling it now. I guess the good news is white Sox fans really don't know what the team will look like by then. So there's no, yeah, that's true. Like, the last work stoppage, everybody thought like, oh, that's right in the heart of the White Sox, you know, contention window. And it kind of was, wasn't it? So yep. uh, now it's a case where like, oh, they might be stepping back or rebuilding themselves. And so like, you know, who cares? Uh, we'll be, you know, um, watching the Chicago Fire or something like that. So the, who can one, say? The, the, the one thing about 2026 for the White Sox, that is uh, July 1st, 2026 is the deadline for the White Sox to renew their last agreed upon four year extension of the lease at guarantee rate field. According to the original contract that both the state of Illinois and the Chicago White Sox organization signed in the early nineties. So if you are a Google calendar person, July 1st is the deadline for the White Sox to opt in for their four year lease extension. That is the last of four, four year extensions the White Sox could agree upon with the state of Illinois. And then maybe we're talking about a a new stadium for the Chicago White Sox or some type of new contract agreement uh, between the White Sox and the state of Illinois of where they currently at at Guarantee Ray Field. So keep this in mind. I said this in 2023. This comes to fruition late in 2026. I called it. So that's my early prediction, put it on record. Uh, Anything else that you want to touch on, Jim, before we wrap up on this podcast? No, prospect week's over. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, like like you said, when it comes to Mike Clevenger and such, um, yeah, I'm I'm finally getting into the best shape of his uh, life. Stuff, Lucas Giolito, losing like forty pounds. Uh, like, wow, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, two eighty. Like that's like you're you're getting like CC Sabathia territory there. So like he's he's slimmed down a lot. Yohan Makata talking about like his oblique. Uh, situation uh and being like a case where he came back too soon which like would not be surprising given the way the white Sox handled injuries but like just uh you know maybe me i mean it's a case where just the white Sox mismanaged him too and just because he winces all the time he couldn't tell how hurt he was but uh yeah just i'm enjoying the uh best shape of his life stories and uh now with elvis andrews there like we don't you know that's a case where you know there's an actual proven major leaguer here and we don't have to like talk about how Romy Gonzalez has the best off season of anybody because we have so many great off seasons to hear about that. Like I didn't, you know, not now Romy sit down. <laughs> <laughs> there are some that we are very, 
uh, attentive to and best shape of their lives because some of these guys have big seasons upcoming uh, for at least their professional careers, especially Lucas Giolito to slim down that much, and he looks terrific so far in the early videos and pictures. It's his contract year. It's a big year for Lucas Giolito. Yeah, he's no longer cultivating mass. Yes, no longer cultivating mass. And we will be pre- previewing White Sox position battles and the position groups in future episodes of the Sox Machine podcast, as we'll also have spring training games to talk about in a week. So that's something to look forward to as we get into preview mode. But thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Sox Machine podcast. If you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Music. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. We also post the podcast episodes on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. On the YouTube front, I have been posting video highlights that I'm cutting together of prospects that I'm watching For the 2023 Major League Baseball draft, I just uploaded three highlight videos onto our YouTube channel that you could check out of three college pitchers that I'm following that could be possible White Sox targets for the upcoming year. It's very early. I watched a lot of college baseball this weekend, so that's another good reason to subscribe to our YouTube channel is being able to get those highlights and get early film of guys that you will hear more about come June and July as we get closer to the Major League Baseball Draft. If you enjoy our work and would like to help support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash socksmachine, where our Patreon supporter numbers keep growing, Jim. It warms my heart as we get closer to opening day. Thank you guys so much for your continued support, and thank you to all the new supporters as well, as our Patreon supporters get exclusive content, like the weekly 2023 MLB Draft Reports that I'll be writing and releasing every Wednesday morning. They also get ad-free versions of both the podcast and the website. And when we have new Sox Machine swag in the store, they're the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2, or you can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash Sox Machine. The Sox Machine podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're on for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening and watching. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.